Emerging after sunset and hovering through the dark. The story of the strangest passion ever known. It's Dracula. Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. I bid you welcome <laughs> to Monsters vs. Men, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, Alex, we're discussing Dracula and kind of relaunching our podcast, Monsters vs. Men 2.0. But first, with me today, we have the backup bat prop, Alex himself. <laughs> and joined by Eric, the grub-eating <laughs> scoundrel. Oh, no, not not good, Alex, not good. Oh, man, but I am excited because we are starting our Universal Monsters series. And, and this has been a thought of ours for how long, Alex? Quite some time. I mean, we've been wanting to tackle at least some of these movies for a while. I think even not the most recent October, but the October yeah. before that. I'm going to say it's we been were talking over a about year. it. Yeah, it's been over a year that we've been thinking about this. And look, it's not that we want to get away from giant monsters, which has kind of been our staple in Monsters vs. Men. Uh, we started out as a Godzilla podcast. We don't really want to get away from that. And and there's a lot of great giant monster uh, content coming out this year that we're going to cover. So if you're joining us or rejoining us, we're still going to cover that giant monster content, but we're also just adding in these universal monsters. Um, but Alex, what what else do you expect to see from kind of our relaunch of the series, Monsters vs. Men 2.0, if you will? Um, it's going to be a lot more black and white this time around. So if you're watching the video version of this. <laughs> of our opinions. Yeah, exactly. Like black and white opinions all the way around. That's what you mean, Alex? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're just kind of going, we're going to get into a new spirit. I think we're going to show we i mean our personalities shine through every episode our big beautiful personalities right (laughs) our our bbps and um so i think what we're gonna do is we're going to kind of spend a little more time interacting maybe a little bit kind of like we do in our patreon episodes and at the beginning of these episodes and I think, you know, that way not only can people get a sample, but maybe people can kind of enjoy a little more Eric and Alex time because who doesn't like a little bit more of that? Except for our (laughs) wives. Our wives are kind of tired. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the things that you'll definitely see in our relaunch here is just a little bit more chat at the beginning as we kind of catch up. Um, Some of our MVM Plus episodes might move away from that chat in, in a sense, but we'll do more of our chatting and catching up here at the beginning of each episode. So let's say you are just a giant monster fan and want nothing to do with Universal Monsters. You can still join us for the first 15 minutes. We'll talk about um, the latest things happening in the giant monster universe at times. Um, and we'll still be covering that giant monster content. I saw this week, Alex, 
Shin Ultraman has a release date. Did you see this? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Shin Ultraman has a release date. I'd like to say May 22nd in Japan, oh, but wow. we'll see. Um, we'll see it when we get an international release. Uh, but yeah, I- I'm excited for Shin Ultraman. It'll be interesting. So if Funimation decides to um, publish, mm. publish? Just, no, distribute. Distribute. Golly, you don't publish movies. <laughs> um, that's that's video, that's video games and books. Um, <laughs> but if they decide to distribute that film, my guess is we'd probably get that about three months later. Mm. Um, if I had to take a shot in the dark. Now, it could be sooner, but that that's kind of my guess. That'd be cool, though. Man, can you imagine going to see this in theaters? That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. So we'll see. I know uh, Shin Godzilla had a limited release, right? It was awesome. Um, yeah, I you went, went to it. it. That's awesome. So maybe Shin Ultraman will have a very limited release here, um, and we can go check that out and have a mini Ultraman series here in the middle of the year. We also have, you know, um, Shin Kamen Rider is coming out, uh, I believe, towards it's either towards the end of, of 2022 or the beginning of 2023. So we've got that. That's what I hear. That's what yeah. I hear. I'll be interested to see if that, yeah, I'll be Happens. interested to see if that makes 2022. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and, of course, we've got Jurassic World, mm. uh, which Mm-mm-mm. we might just have to cover as well, Alex. Just might have to <laughs> cover. Yeah, that could be, uh, I think that is a very nostalgic series for both of us it is this um, is true and probably um, a pretty important series to both of us it's an important series that we haven't done yet so in addition to these universal monsters i think we're definitely going to tackle some of these giant monster franchises still so no worries if you're a fan of giant monsters we still got you covered and but, for you uh meg fans out there keep crossing your fingers for that meg 2 release date because i think that that's the only way we're going to watch the meg 1 yeah, when, exactly. that, when that next one's coming out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Meg Two, if you're if you're out there, maybe we'll have a giant shark series. <laughs> or if they would call, would the Meg Two be the Meg again? So like Megan, <laughs> the Megan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that probably signals our need to start into our film introduction, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just asking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready to jump into Dracula, Alex? Um, uh, Dracula, yes. <laughs> Though a few older films might make the universal canon, the film to jumpstart the franchise and launch the original cinematic universe was none other than Todd Browning's 1931 Dracula. Based on a stage play based on Bram Stoker's original 1897 novel, Dracula frightened audiences primarily through its lead, Bella Lugosi. But does Lugosi carry the show, or is there more to Dracula than this pro? What'd you think, Alex? There's there's more to Dracula than this pro, which is uh was a nice, pleasant surprise. We all know a little bit about Bella Lugosi's performance, right? We, we we've seen at least a clip of it. At the very least, we've seen images and stills, right? We get the vibe, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why his performance is imitated and copied still to this day. Like, even a, even a show like What We Do in the Shadows, there's a character called Nandor. Mm-hmm. He is Bela Lugosi's Dracula, except uh-huh. for uh, with a realistic lens around him. 
and where he's not taken seriously. It's it's pretty funny. Like I didn't realize how much that character was just pulled off of this one, <laughs> uh-huh. but it definitely is. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, and while he like his, while his acting is pretty formidable, like there is an equally talented competitor in this film, mm-hmm. and that's the character of Van Helsing played by Edward von Sloan. Huh, that's not I, who I thought you were going to say there. Really? Interesting. Yeah, okay. interesting. But continue, continue. I think he's equally as perfect for the role and nice. just as interesting. He's got <laughs> a weird past, too, that we are not privy to. Yeah. Um, and there's a moment between these two actors as their respective characters battle it out. Yeah. And it sums the two of them up so well with minimal dialogue. The moment Dracula tries to control Van Helsing and the two have this invisible struggle of wills, it's just such a cool moment. And it's almost like a moment of respect between the two as well. And it could have easily been hokey in its execution because, you know, it's an invisible battle of just walking a couple (laughs) steps forward and backwards. Uh Um, But these two actors, though, they are so talented that this is not an issue. Mm. And... Also, I've got to give director Todd Browning his roses as well. Mm-hmm. He does a really great job portraying fear and making Reinfeld, mm-hmm. who is stellar, yeah. a very creepy character. Well, that's who I thought you were going to say was the the match for for Lugosi's performance uh, was Renfield's performance because you're right, like that is a creepy character, one hundred percent. And yeah, I think Lugosi does steal the show. There's a reason he is he is so imitated, right? Um, because he's perfect for the role. But he's not the only attraction here, not by a long shot. And there's there's a reason that the Dracula story, the mythos of Dracula beyond Lugosi, has survived and been adapted time and time again. We see the lingering themes of desire, lust, devotion, and uh, religiosity that are compelling to audiences then and and are compelling to audiences now. And we have characters that more than, more than just Dracula, we've got compelling characters in Renfield, Van Helsing and Mina. Uh, What does Lugosi bring though? He just brings that aura and the power to this role. He perfected the movements of this otherworldly creature, (laughs) something he had to surely learn to do when he was the lead in the stage play version of the the U.S. Dracula that he performed in before this film. You can see that, I think, in his performance, just how methodical the movements are, which I think just would have been portrayed exceedingly well on stage. He brings that element of gothic tragedy as well to this performance. Um, One thing I'm looking forward to just in, in the series in general is how we begin to relate and even feel sympathy for the monsters of these movies. Now, I don't think Dracula here felt particularly sympathetic. He, he was more of a, an evil type of character, but there are a couple of moments. There, there is one shot mm-hmm. that really struck me. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some more of these moments later, but there's one shot that struck me and it's as Dracula goes in for the bite on Mina, we get this close up of Dracula's face. It's very mm-hmm. disturbing as Dracula like goes in towards the camera and Dracula doesn't look like he wants to be doing what he's yes. doing. He almost looks in pain as he does, he does 
what he's doing. And at that moment, you're like, oh, man, he's like, it feels like he doesn't want to, the, the, he's he's admiring this creature for him. Um, he doesn't want to do what he has to do to survive. So there is that element. It probably could lean into that tragic element a bit more, but there's certainly something to relate to there. Did you relate to any of these characters, Alex? Did you relate to Dracula at all? Uh, so I didn't really relate to Dracula. Um, <laughs> I hadn't been too attracted to sucking the blood out of women, uh, <laughs> at least not on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I'm glad you picked up on that moment with Dracula where you see the pain in his face uh-huh. as he is going to to do that. Because mm-hmm. it's something actually Cece noticed as well. Um, and it, it's just a moment where it does bring a little bit of humanity. And I agree with you. It could have leaned into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I don't really feel like I connected with any of the characters in terms of like any relatability or anything like that. That's not to say that I didn't like some of them. I actually kind of liked Reinfeld uh, the most in his first <laughs> incarnation uh, uh-huh. before he gets swapped over. He's a, you know he's like this gullible, like aloof <laughs> mm-hmm. um, salesman who's just there to do a job. Like <laughs> he he can't read a room for no. the life of no. him, the poor guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he walks into a castle that has dirt on the floor. And has to walk through a spider web, and he just has no red flags going off. No, no. (laughs) He just continues about his business. Yeah, yeah. So I guess he's a lot like uh, my mom, a lot of times, is like not aware of her surroundings. So I could see that happening. (laughs) See, maybe the situation befalling her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So. What's really interesting, though, is his transformation later in the film. Like when he's driven mad by the powers of Dracula, it's such a different. It's such a different look. He's almost unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, maybe the dad is the most relatable because he's pretty chill overall, right? Even with mm-hmm. all this going on, but I'm not sure if he makes any dumb decisions in the film, which, you know. Until now, I'm kind of realizing that a lot of the decisions made, for the most part in the film, by the characters kind of make sense, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of modern horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I can't think of what he's called. He works at the psychiatric facility. I'm going to call him the Bondsman, because yeah. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Because he's got that big, beautiful mustache, I guess. And... He's so out of his element in the film, and he recognizes that that's the case, that he's pretty relatable in that way. He's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like when he tells the maid that (laughs) we're the only two characters that that know what's going on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) No, I I echo what you're saying here. Um, Yeah, maybe Dr. Seward is the most relatable, potentially, Um, though... Maybe he's not concerned enough about what's happening. But really, to, to kind of go back to the filmmaking of, of Dracula, I'm impressed by the cinematography in particular. Carl Freund is the cinematographer, and he has some fantastically framed shots here. There's not much movement to the camera, but that's what makes the movement that does happen so powerful. Uh, one particular moment I love in the framing is when they're on the balcony at the performance hall, right as Dracula is about to be introduced to kind of the lead characters, the doors open 
and he looms in the background, facing away from our characters, but he's centered and his head is just above uh, everybody else. So it's like he looms in the background. Hmm. And, you know, the problem with this film, to kind of move into my criticisms, is that after that scene, that balcony scene, I think the film starts to lose a little bit of steam. The, the further it goes on, this isn't a long film, but the further it goes on, um, the more we get away from that initial horror and that opening scene, which I just find fantastic. But before I get into my specifics and my criticism, Alex, did you have any criticisms? So I do I have to jump on something that you said real quick. Yeah. Because... I'm right there with you about the cinematographer definitely deserves a shout out. Like there's some absolutely stunning moments in this film. It's just so impressive. And the set designs are just so Mm -hmm. almost like, how did they do that levels? (laughs) You know, it's really cool. I just, I was endlessly impressed by some of these moments. Um, But you know, back to your question about the criticisms. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are a few things that I, cannot fail to mention mm-hmm. first like you said the opening of this film is absolutely amazing and while the rest of the film is of quality it doesn't quite reach the heights of the early portions of this film once we make it to london and make it a few steps into london i think you may have really identified the turning point there eric mm-hmm. it might be the play where the film feels like it kind of gets lost a bit. And while it's never really mediocre, Mm -hmm. uh, except for one part I'll talk about in just a second, it does lose some of its luster, and it does lose a lot of its terror. Actually, instead of Dracula being the the being of terror, Mm -hmm. I feel like Reinfeld becomes the being of terror more so. Yeah. He's he's much more scary to me than Dracula. Yeah. Um by the end of the film. Now it it was a uh it was a joy to see like the realization that Dracula does not appear in the mirror by Van Helsing. Like these moments were really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the moments in the film that lean more into what this was like you mentioned. Uh, I think 1924 there was a stage play of this. Mm-hmm. It's the moments that lean into the stage play-esque nature of the film that I think are the weakest. And that's a lot of the moments in the house. Yeah. Um, I do feel like those are kind of weak, even though we do have some interesting dialogue and some pretty interesting character moments as well. Now, I got to get into the bad, though. And that is the ending of this movie. (laughs) It's too quick. It's completely lacking in horror. And honestly, it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. And it's just completely odd. Like, I I don't understand how we end with a line of Van Helsing wanting to stay. Um, and we also don't really... Like, we know he kills Dracula. We think we know he kills Dracula. Um, and it just ends. Like, he's like, oh, no, I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. The end. And and not only that, but when they're chasing Dracula, it's not like he got away and then he went to sleep. It's like, no, they were right behind him. And he was like, oh, God, I'm tired. I got I to gotta hit the sack. Like, yeah. I just can't go on without there catching wasn't this like, You know what could have been, what would have worked better, and this has just been in the writing, is 
there was no talk about the rising sun, right? Uh, right. It wasn't like we were waiting on the sun to rise in the morning. Like, we didn't get that element. But even um, then, he's underground, yeah, right? right. You know, right. he's not exposed to the light. So what is the rush to go to sleep while you're being pursued by your enemies? Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Very, very strange. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's different than the novel, for sure. That's one of the major departures of the novel. But before, I mentioned that scene at the performance hall because I do think that's the moment where we start to have a little bit less fun in this film. Not that there mm-hmm. aren't great moments after that um, that we've mentioned. But Dracula is such an important element that whenever he or Renfield aren't a part of the scene, to me, the scenes fall flat. I, I like Van Helsing, but I don't think he carries that same weight. Now, you might disagree. That's why I was surprised earlier on. I don't think Van Helsing carries that same weight um, that he could by being this scientific expert and this moral authority on vampires. You mentioned that he has this backstory, but we don't get that backstory. So maybe that brings a bit of intrigue to his character, which I can see. But really, the major character problem is Jonathan Harker, which is Mina's fiance. Jonathan Harker <laughs> is just a wet fish. Yep. Um, he doesn't bring any charisma to his role and ends up feeling really out of place trying to ignore what is happening to save Mina. It's just forced. Um, and, and his performance is pretty forced as well, uh, I hate to say. <laughs> but yeah, lastly, uh, I'm with you. And, and like I think a charismatic lead could have helped the ending as well. Like if If we had a little bit more to work with there, that could have helped. But you're right. The film's ending is quite abrupt. Um, we don't get that sense of suspense. We do have suspense, but it's so it's over so quickly, and you're not sure why it happened. That it all feels rushed. Um, the other thing I, that we did touch on that I, I do think the film could have done more is more of is lean into the tragic element of Dracula. There are moments of that. Right, there are moments, but I don't think it leans into it enough. The ending could have leaned into that even more and made for something quite spectacular, but unfortunately, we didn't quite get that. What's interesting, though, Alex, is like like the novel, the first scene of this movie is the best, and unfortunately, that also makes the rest of the movie harder to live up to. But I think I'll speak more about the comparisons between the novel and this film in MVM Plus. Yes, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, we start MVM Plus off this year with a classic host chat. Uh, I'm going to speak about the differences between the novel and the 1931 Dracula adaptation, as I just said. And I want to hear what Alex has to say about what he wants to see from Nicolas Cage's upcoming <laughs> Dracula performance. <laughs> I also want to hear um, some of your comparisons that you would make to uh, what we do in the shadows, because I have yet to see that, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> Dude, yes. And, you know, you mentioned Nicolas Cage, Eric. Uh-huh. We're going to have to... Have you seen the trailer for his new movie? Which one? No. Uh, sorry, my dog just sat down on a box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he's got a new movie. Uh, it's called the The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where he plays himself. Oh, awesome. Actually, I did see that he was playing himself. Alex and I also just watched Pig together uh, a couple of weeks ago, so we can talk about that on MVM Plus as well. 
Um, but a- as you may have seen on our social media, we're encouraging any who are able to and willing to help us raise funds for Western Kentucky after the recent tornado hit the area. Alex grew up miles away from some of the worst destruction. And while he and his family are safe, many others are not. So for December and January, any existing or new Patreon pledge will go straight to locally led short and long-term relief funds. And if you cancel after January, we're absolutely cool with that. We just want to do what little we can do to give back. So if you're interested in that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash pod and become a bargain base mite. Yep. Every little bit helps. So thank you in advance. And yeah, thank you to seriously. our current patrons. Thank you. Um, and with that said, it's time for our rotating segment here in MVM 2.0. We're going to try to bring back the rotating segment. Uh, <laughs> we've got some theometers, some Gwendars, some monster piece theaters returning, a couple new segments returning. But this week, we're trying something new. It's a yes. Levioscope. Wife that. Welcome in to the first ever Levi Scope. Say hi, Levi. Say hi, Levi. Hi, Levi. Well, that works too. How does it feel to be second, by the way? Second. Hey, Levi. Well, there's, yep, your name is Levi. How's it feel to be second? Second Levi host and second born son. Does it feel good? Yeah. Yeah? My name's Levi. Your name is Levi. That's right. Good introduction to yourself today. Now, Levi, we are going to watch this little clip here from a movie called Dracula. Can you say Dracula? Dracula. Try it again. Dracula. Dracula. Well, that, that's pretty good. All right. Now, Levi, one thing I want you to think <gasps> about here is, is he scary, this guy right here? This is, this is Dracula. Is he scary? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit spooky. You know what he does? He can transform into a bat. Is that spooky? Yeah. Now, watch this right here and see what he does. He's looking into a mirror, right? See, he's going to look into this mirror, and he's not going to see himself in the mirror. What does he do? Oh, man. Does he look angry? Yeah. Wow. Is he even spookier when he's angry? Yeah. Yeah? Sometimes Dracula does a laugh, and he goes like this. He goes, ah, ah, ah. Can you do the Dracula laugh? Ah, ah, gah. Let's let's try that again. That was okay. Let's try that again. Go. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, 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 ah. That's pretty good. This has been the first ever Levi-scope. All right. Welcome back in. Uh, We have our awards section next. And, And while our awards are essentially the same, they are a little bit different than what we did with our giant monster movie awards. Um, the first being the most compelling character award, Alex, slightly different than our coolest character award, but I like the idea of a compelling character. So who, who did you have? Uh, My, mine is the one that you didn't maybe find so compelling Van Helsing. I was, I was totally sucked into this character. I I was all about it. And again, it's that hint to his backstory that he's been studying these things. And Mm -hmm. also him not being surprised by Mm -hmm. Dracula at all. (laughs) is like another layer now it could be an oversight in like maybe the script or the acting or something like that but to me it told me that he's seen things like this before and so that just gives him a lot of history for me and so i just found him really interesting that that's interesting that is interesting now there's a movie called van helsing right alex yes everyone says it's awful i'm gonna go ahead and say it 
Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, so it probably is awful. But I used to love that movie. <laughs> and it does have a weak ending. Um, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I used to really dig that movie a lot. I could see you liking that movie. I haven't seen it, but it just sounds like a movie Alex would like. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those movies that's caught in this weird era at post-Matrix. Uh-huh. Um, where it's got some of those kind of elements to it. And it's just, but it's pretty good. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Everyone knows I'm right. It's fine. <laughs> well, for my most compelling character award, Alex, I'm going to cheat already. And I'm actually going to give it to a character, characters, I should say. This is how I'm cheating is I'm giving it to more than one oh, wow. that appears so little on screen that that's what makes it compelling to me. And that's Dracula's wives. Um, mm-hmm. From virtually the opening scene, uh, we see them approach Renfield in an absolutely terrifying way. The way the door opens and they just come in through the fog. Um, really creepy. I wish we got more of them because they were so creepy. Um, but they were compelling to me. I, I was interested to see if they would have any bigger role in this film. And unfortunately... They did not. So my most compelling character is the characters that I wanted to see more of, which are Dracula's wives. Yeah, I was surprised to not see Dracula take his wives on vacation. Yeah. He seemed like to have plenty of money, but then we find out that he's just looking for a fourth side piece. Yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> very true. All right. Um, what about your most memorable line award? So this is the line that I do think lends itself to that tragic element that we've talked about. And it's from Dracula. And it's actually from that balcony scene that we've already talked about. Um, And it's Dracula saying, to die, to be really dead, that must be glorious. Uh, And it's morbid for the people around him. But there's something that's actually true about that for mm-hmm. Dracula. And this is the tragic element that you could lean into is, is what does life mean in the face of death? And what does life mean in the face of no death? Right. Um, does life lose its meaning when it just continues to go on and you need um, this, this sort of desire that you're not too pleased with in order to sustain life? It's an interesting concept and an interesting question that this line alludes to, but unfortunately we never get more of within the film. Yeah, actually he gets, he has another line that was one of my favorites, two lines after that. Okay. And he actually said, there are worse things awaiting man than death, Mm -hmm. which also alludes to exactly what you were talking about. This like, he does not, you know, he doesn't want to be, alive he thinks his current state is worse than death yeah so i thought that was pretty interesting now there is another line that i really like that was actually by van helsing he said the strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him Mm. Mm -hmm. and i was like that's pretty true like most people would not like if someone was running around sucking blood around here it'd take quite a while before people actually believed in that like it would take a lot to make yeah. that happen. Yeah. And that's, that's a major theme. I think that we see, um, in this film, it's also in the book. It's also in some other films that we've seen, um, some older films, this idea of belief in the unknown, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I do like, uh, 
that line, there are worse things awaiting man than death. I think that is a good follow-up uh, to be really dead. Must be glorious. I like that. I like that. What about, what about your can't believe that acting award, Alex? So as much as I want to go harp on uh, Van Helsing again, I want to give it to our boy, Bela Lugosi. He is, there's a reason why this character has been copied, imitated, and transcended media for many, many years since this. And his depiction of the character is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really, you know, it is initially, it is a little like you kind of like chuckle to yourself, maybe a little bit like I bid you welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but very quickly, he is pretty intimidating in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of give him a lot of props. He does a great job. And I, what I, one of my favorite moments in the film is when Van Helsing shows him the mirror. And his reaction upon the surprise of, like, he's being tricked. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that moment is he has this composure throughout the entire film. But in that moment, he completely loses his composure. He knocks the thing out, uh, the mirror out of his hands. And just the way he's standing is almost like a normal person who's frazzled. But he very quickly re- regains himself. And goes about his normal Dracula thing where he, t- he even tells Van Helsing to spill the beans about what I am. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> He's like, you tell them exactly why. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. He's like challenging them at that point. Yes. You know? uh, which is really cool. Not not backing down, you know, um, but not being like directly confrontational, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Mine is Dwight Fry. As Renfield. Um, I just think that performance from the beginning aloofness to the absolutely terrifying crawl that he has. Like <laughs> there's that other shot that we haven't mentioned where he's in the ship and he's crawling yes. up the stairs and he's got that Joker smile on his face. It's he was awesome. he had the Joker smile and laugh well before the Joker ever existed. He did. Um, and he does that so well. Uh, it's, it's, it would be so easy to go over the top with this performance. But it's not over the top. It's, it's it, it borderlines over the top, but I don't think it's over the top. I think it's just right at that perfect mark of being slightly terrifying. Like you're, you're wondering if this person is unhinged in real life. And there's also the torn aspect of the character, right? Where the character actually wants to help the situation. He doesn't want to hurt Mina and he doesn't want to hurt the others. But at the same time, he knows that Dracula is his master and can do worse things to him than what he's done already. Um, so there's that torn aspect to the character that is also reflected in the performance. So this movie would not have worked without a stellar performance from Dwight Fry. So I've got to give it up to Dwight Fry as Renfield. He's really good. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. That image of him at the bottom of the ship, the uh-huh. stairs. Another image of him is when he's crawling towards the maid. Oh my gosh! Yes, that, that's a genuinely yeah. That was weird. that's a weird moment because it's it's creepy, but then nothing happens. Yeah, it, you're right. That is a weird moment too because we see her later and she's fine. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that that's that's a weird moment. So I, uh, it is. It is. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But yeah. uh, what about your? Oh, that's a good shot award. 
All right. Uh, so mine is just a classic shot. We've mentioned several great shots, um, but mine is the opening shot of Dracula. Well, before we see the opening shot of Dracula full body, we do see his hand appear out of his coffin. But whenever we get the full body shot of Dracula, it's just so still and silent as the camera slowly pans in through the darkness. I still think that that image is iconic and it's still haunting to this day. I love it. There's a lot of great shots to choose from, but it's hard to, to steer away from that classic one that even before I'd seen this movie, I'd seen the shot and it's just kind of ingrained in my mind of mm. this is Dracula. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that was good. I actually good had a note on it. Like this is a uh, pretty intense. It's What's so it? weird. It's, it's so different to, I think than what we're used to, like as a modern audience, that's not how a character is like introduced, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so it stands out to us, I think, because we're like, that's it's slightly off-putting, but at the same time, it stands out because it's unique and different. So I really like that shot. But what about you? Yeah, uh, mine had to be, uh, it's probably the, the basement women. Um, when we first see the three of them, it's pretty creepy because the one I really love about this movie is the use of fog throughout the entire thing, it feels like. And they're just three, these three women that kind of looming in this underground area. And it's kind of, it's pretty unsettling. I really liked it. It's very cool. And I I have to give a shout out to the inside of the castle when Renfield (laughs) first goes in and we get that (laughs) big shot of the entire set and the stairs that Dracula comes down. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And you got that effect of him going through the spider web right there. It's yes. awesome. It's awesome. It is um, awesome. Which brings us to our unique awards, Alex. So one of the things we're adding in 2.0 is some unique awards, things that stood out to us that we want to give a specific award to. I'll start us off because you led me right to it. I want to give a delectable design award to Charles Hall's set designs one of which is that opening set of Dracula's castle, kind of the outside of his castle as you get into the the inner layers. This is like the outer layer of the castle. It's pretty run down. But man, that is elaborate. And then we kind of get a mirror sort of, of set at the end. Um, mm. But it's not quite yeah. the same, but we kind of get something similar um, at the end of the film. So it kind of mirrors the, the beginning and the end. But some of those sets are just absolutely awesome. There is one set that doesn't work, and it's the set um, that Mina and Jonathan Harker are out on like the balcony at night. That was awful. And it's that just a bad. room, and you can see the corner. It's really bad. <laughs> it's um, really bad. I'm like, really... How, how did they falter so bad on this <sighs> one part? Yeah, I have no idea. It's really rough. But uh, with with the exception of that one scene, uh, the <laughs> Maybe design, Charles Hall was sick that day. Maybe the yeah, intern that was, had to take yeah, over. Exactly. <laughs> that was a sick day. <laughs> intern day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, with the exception of that, the, uh, maybe they spent all their budget on that opening scene, Alex. <laughs> hey, they probably did. They probably did. You could see it. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, besides that, Everything else, I was just impressed by the locations and the sets that they were able to produce in this film. What's your unique award, though, Alex? 
Uh, I had devastating death award. Ooh, nice. Dracula versus Renfield when he has to when he kills him on the stairs. Uh huh. It's the first time we actually see Dracula kill someone not via blood suck, mm-hmm. and um, it you know it it seems like it's pretty brutal. But what really, what really makes it uh, devastating is Renfield's like cries to not be killed because he's done bad things, and that was like really kind of a poignant moment in the film for me. Cause I was like, Oh, like he, at this point he wants to live forever because he's afraid of what death would mean for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. what could be like waiting for him in the afterlife. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Pretty terrifying. Well, cool. Let's move into our final thoughts and tiered rating. So we're doing our, Ratings a little bit different here on Monsters vs. Men 2.0. You want to explain our tiers, Alex? Yeah, so we've got a couple tiers. So the the star system was getting a little, or not stars, but the the score system was getting a little difficult and unwieldy, right? Mm -hmm. We were, we didn't feel like we had any consistency with our star ratings because, well, quite frankly, it's kind of impossible to do that with a with all these different types of movies and judging them and comparing them with star ratings is just not uh, this dog is walking around right now um so we've decided to do a tier system that's going to keep things more in line and i think a lot more consistent for us so we got three tiers now tier one is godzilla some people are going to be mad about this but tier two is gamera and tier three, where he belongs, is Gabra. Okay. <laughs> so we've got the 3G tier system of Godzilla, Gamera, and Gabra. I- I'm okay with that, Alex. I, I-, I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, Gamera, tier two. I mean, yeah, let's just, let's just be honest, right? Like, that is, we love Gamera. Right here in these parts, like you won't more, find bigger gamers than, than us, but yes. more than most. But are they on a slightly different tier than Godzilla? Probably so. So we've got yes. our Godzilla tier, our Gamera tier, and our Gabra tier. So let's start with you then, Alex. Um, which tier does this fall into, and why? This is tough. So there's a lot of pressure on me about this new tier system. Um, <laughs> there's not because that's why we have a tier system. <laughs> that's the whole yeah. point, Alex. <laughs> right, right, right. But w- when I'm thinking about this movie, right, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about not only what impact it still has today, but also the impact it's had over time. Mm-hmm. And that over time impact is what makes me think about you need to see this because you will understand (laughs) where everything came from, right? Yeah. So there is so much influence from this one movie that I feel like it's like a mandatory viewing for most people. For genre lovers, probably. Exactly. And and just anyone that's... I mean, most people have seen some form of Dracula, right? Mm -hmm. But it's always fun to go back and see where it came from. Yeah. And unless you're going to read the book, which isn't going to give you the depiction that this does, no. I would imagine, Eric, no, you've read the book. Yeah, so it's it, different. Yeah. So I'm going to give this, I'm going to put this in the Godzilla tier because nice. 
while I do have some problems with it, it's a, it is a 75 minute movie that feels a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending is very, very weak, but it has some pretty stellar moments. It's got some great, it's got three interesting characters mm-hmm. and that first setup, man, it, it's the, the castle encounter is perfect. Yep. Um, and so just for the reason of this being a integral piece of cinema history, it's going to be in the Godzilla tier for me. Um, now, if, if I took out the history of it, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably put it in the gamma tier. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's fair. Um, so for me, I put this at, I would say it's borderline, but I'm, I'm going to put it in the gamma tier. Um, just because I, I, I think I'll be curious to see where this universal monster series heads. Right. Yes. Um, I think I did this for Godzilla when we first started the podcast, Alex is I kind of withheld my judgment. I, I don't think I gave it a five stars. Like it probably deserved. Um, I didn't actually, <laughs> I, I gave it four and a half, yeah. but looking back on it, I think it deserved a five, but it's just because I, I am holding out a little bit of hope to see kind of what some other films do within this series. And so I think this one's going to be a gamma tier for me. That's leaning towards that Godzilla tier, but there are some issues. There are some issues that, that are harder for me to ignore, despite the fact that I would recommend this to a a whole bunch of people. Um, I actually think this is an interesting uh, movie that on, in its own right is, is definitely worth your viewing. So if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's 70 minutes long. Uh, it won't take you too much time. And you'll see where all of these influences come from. They come from this film. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty impactful. It is. It is. And, you know, Eric, I am surprised at how hard this three-tier system was for me. <laughs> this was an easy ranking for me. Uh-huh. But the tier system was a little more tough. But I, I, I'm, I think it's a good thing to go with. Yeah. No, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I think it actually leaves it a little bit broader and it gives us a little bit of flexibility, but we'll see. We'll see how it is moving forward. I like the Godzilla Gamera Gabra system. Um, all of our uh, Gabra fans will not like us, but, but that'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be all right. Well, moving into next week, Alex, if you thought rhyme time was over, think again. <laughs> We've got Frankenstein <laughs> coming up next week. Do you have a rhyme prepared for Frankenstein, Alex? I don't have one prepared, but Frankenstein's a really easy one to go with. Okay. So next time is Frankenstein. Don't sip too much lime because what happens to him is a crime. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine will be next week when we watch Frank, will it shoot a blank or... (laughs) uh, Take us, <laughs> or <laughs> oh man, uh, take us to the bank, Alex. Um, very sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, please tell me you didn't prepare that one. I did not prepare that one. 
Uh, uh, 2.0 is off to a good start off everybody. to a good start we're preparing our rhymes as always <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to monsters versus men we want to hear from you email us email us at mvmpod at gmail.com or go to mvmpod to leave us your feedback on dracula where are we wrong why does dracula deserve a godzilla tier rating or does it um, let us know your feedback and we'll read that on the show. You can follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pot. You can become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platforms always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't suck on the necks of the ones you love. And try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. I was surprised to not see Dracula take his wives on vacation. Yeah. He seemed like to have plenty of money, but then we find out that he's just looking for a fourth side piece.